Well, um, today we're celebrating Easter. Nobody would have imagined just a month ago that this is the way we would be celebrating, right? I can't see any of you and your lovely pastels and your kids that are hyped up on jelly beans and chocolates. And, um, you know, we are living in a weird time. We're living in a hard time in the midst of a pandemic, unlike anything we've seen in our lifetimes. Um, And, you know, somebody else is living along there with us. I want to tell you a story. Um, Oh, this is the title of our message, uh, Because He Lives. Um, Tell you a story about Billy Bob. Poor Billy Bob, he's living in this pandemic with us. And Billy Bob is so sad. Billy Bob, um, he is scared about his job. Billy Bob can't see his friends. He is not sure about his own financial security. Billy Bob has no toilet paper. I think that's probably why he's kind of hunched up like that. Um, and, and say that somebody comes along with a vaccine and, and COVID-19 is KO'd, yes and amen. And we are saved from the virus and the peasants rejoice. And Billy Bob is so excited and, and apparently uh, also on some steroids. <laughs> so Billy's, Billy's doing well. But um, he starts he starts picking up the phone and FaceTiming and phone calling all of his friends and saying, um, man, we are saved. We, we don't have to um, stay at home anymore. But for the next 10 years, Billy Bob jumps up and down in his house shouting, I don't have to sh- shelter in place anymore. He starts doing a little dance in his home for a decade. I don't have to shelter in place anymore. I don't have to shelter in place anymore. Over and over and over again. Now, what's Billy Bob missing? Billy Bob needs to understand. Oh, here's the, <laughs> this, is Billy, this is Billy Bob. This is, yeah, he's very excited. Billy Bob needs to understand that it's not just what Billy Bob has been saved from, right? He's focusing on what he's been saved from, and he's not focused on what freedom from the coronavirus actually has saved him to. See, he doesn't have to shelter any. Billy Bob, if it's such good news, then get out of the house, right? You can go back to church. You can actually hug a friend again. You can go back to work. There's financial security. You can go buy some more toilet paper, Billy Bob. And, and what we need to remember is that Billy Bob's experience um, is sadly this experience of many Christians, that, that how often we focus on what we're saved from, but we neglect to realize and focus on what we're saved to, See, see, so often we'll just, we'll think of ourselves in terms of the things we don't do. Hi, my name is Justin and I don't murder people, right? Like that's not what a sinner does. Or, or we just kind of do a, a shelter in place of I don't have to go to hell anymore. I don't have to go to hell anymore. And we, we talk a lot about what we are saved from, which is good, but we, we forget that it's all about what we've been saved to. What we're going to celebrate and remember today on Easter is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And in doing so, he saved us. It's good news. That's why we say he is risen indeed. Now, usually though, we focus on the first half of this truth that Jesus died for our sins so we don't have to go to hell anymore. And, that, and that's a, a, a yes and amen and a beautiful and a necessary and a glorious truth. But that's half of the good news. Good thing it is 10 feet. I am spitting. I can see that. This morning, I want to preach to you the other half of the gospel. See, we, we sing about, we focus a lot on what, what, what we have because he died. But what about what we have today because he lives? We look at the cross and completely forget about the empty tomb. So this morning, what we want to do is look at the implications of the resurrection, what it means for us. We're going to look at briefly at what we're saved from, but then I want to spend the majority of our time this morning celebrating and praising God for what we've been saved to. Because brothers and sisters, this morning, Easter morning, we have more to celebrate than anybody else on planet Earth today because he lives. 
So let's first look at what we're saved um, from. I'm, I'm saved from three things, the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. The first one's the penalty of sin. Now, this is the one we're most familiar with, right? We're all sinners. If you grew up in Sparky's, uh, you know the, 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 the verse, for the wages of sin is death, meaning that because we sin, what we earn, our wages are death. And that word death means separation. So we've earned separation from God, but on the cross... Jesus said, and we talked about this Friday night, he said, it is finished, John 19. That word means paid in full, that Jesus paid the penalty for all sin, for all people, for all time. And the resurrection, the resurrection is like a receipt. Think of it like proof of purchase. Um, our confidence that the debt was, in pay, uh, was paid in full. So if you ever try to get out of Walmart without a receipt, good luck, right? This guy's gonna stop you at the door and he's gonna say, I wanna make sure that you paid for your groceries or whatever you bought there. And you're not getting out until you show me, you proved to me that you bought what you bought, that it was paid in full. Now, um, otherwise you have to stay in Walmart for the rest of your life, which would maybe be a, you know, a nice comparison to hell. I don't know. But um, see, I, I could tell the world that I've paid for this. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I could make that claim. Jesus could have easily made that claim. That means nothing if he doesn't rise from the dead. See, the resurrection shows that God accepted Jesus's payment. Otherwise, if he, if he stayed in the tomb, it's transaction denied. This was his proof of purchase. And this is good news, ultimate good news for those of us that maybe today feel buried in shame. The truth that we need to remember is that we have forgiveness, that Jesus has paid it all. You can't out the work of Jesus. And, and this is good news that when we get to heaven, we're going to show him this receipt. And the receipt that we have to give to God is this risen Jesus standing next to us. It's because of him that I'm allowed in. And this is good news for all the times you've blown it. Or maybe you're blowing it right now. Maybe you and your spouse are sitting on the opposite ends of the couch today because you're, you're not doing well, right? And, and then we know, and you are going to, I am going to blow it again over and over and over again. The truth is, we have the receipt. We have full forgiveness in Jesus to land on the cross. But then number two, we also have not just been saved from the presence of sin. Wait, there's more if I was a salesman and I'm not. The power of sin has also been defeated. This is sadly an aspect that we don't talk about nearly as much. We're not just forgiven of our sin from its penalty, but we're also free from the power of sin. See, we were born into slavery, slavery to sin. We had to obey our master. But Jesus, when he came, he didn't just pay the debt. He freed us. He busted the chains off of us and defeated our former master. So we don't have to sin anymore. This is what Romans 6 tells us, this glorious truth. And again, it's because of the resurrection. Romans 6 says, for we died and were buried with Christ. Not just that he died for us, but we died with him. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And this is the new kind of life we live. He says, we know, verse 6, that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Did you hear that sentence? We're no longer slaves to sin. Therefore, verse 11, you should also consider yourselves, count yourselves dead to the power of sin. We have the beautiful truth that, that we no longer have to sin anymore. Now, this process, this is, a, this is the process of growth where we become more and more like Jesus, where we start to obey our new master and we don't no longer follow our old master. But this is a process. 
This doesn't just all happen the day you're saved. It's messy and it's lifelong, but what a beautiful, what a necessary truth. And this is good news for those of us that are buried in slavery. And maybe you're feeling that today. There's a particular sin in your life that you feel like you are in total bondage to. You've been trying for years, but experiencing nothing but defeat. The beautiful truth, Psalm 107 says, our chains are gone, that we have freedom, that we don't have to sin anymore. And we're in the process of learning that in our experience as we walk with Jesus. So we're freed from the penalty. We're freed from the power. But then thirdly, one day, this is the future aspect of our salvation, that we will be saved from the presence of sin. See, right now, Sin has no more power over us, but we're still living in its presence as we live in this fallen world. And we can still choose to go back to our former master and obey him, even though he has no more power over us. But one glorious day, we are going to be set free from the presence of sin, and there will be no more sin at all. Revelation 21 points us forward to this beautiful day, second to last chapter of the Bible. It says, he will, this is coming, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what we have to look forward to. And this is good news. This is great news for those of us um, who are feeling buried and suffering. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. See, again, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we don't have any hope for this present, or this, excuse me, this future salvation where we'll be freed from its presence. But Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. But in fact, verse 20 says, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And just as surely as Jesus has risen to new life, we can just as surely look forward this future day where we too will be free from the presence of sin. So for those of us who are fearing, feeling buried and suffering right now, that's a timely word for us today in the midst of this pandemic. There is an end in sight. You have a future. We're forgiven. We're experiencing the freedom more and more, but we have a future hope to look forward to. And Paul says, there's no comparison to what we're going through right now to what's to come. Romans 8 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, now we could sit and just marinate in these glorious truths for hours. But, but remember, Jesus' resurrection isn't simply about what we've been saved from. It's about what we've been saved to. There's something sweeter and deeper than just the fact that we don't have to, to, to go to hell, that we don't have to sin. There, there's something sweeter and deeper that we've been saved to. See, you go back to um, the, the concept of death. Remember we said if death means if separation, what's the opposite of separation? Well, it's coming back together, right? It's union. If death means to be apart, then life means to be together. And this is the, the beautiful two halves of the gospel. And, and, and Paul, go back to our, our passage in Romans 6, he says, you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, separate from sin, and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So, so and at first we were separate from God and, and, and united with sin. But now he says we've been separated from sin and united to God. This is the first thing we want to look at, that we are saved to. We're saved to union, life, with God. So you think of... Um, 
maybe like a, a, a couple that's newly in love. Here they are just splashing water on each other, getting all crazy. And sometimes you're you much, man, couldn't I be in the middle of that? Like maybe not exactly, I mean, not in the middle of that. You get wet and it'd be kind of weird, but um, third wheel. But but I, I want something like that, right? I want to feel those feelings or go back to when, when, when my spouse and I felt those things at the beginning of our relationship. Or, or maybe for you, it's you think about a, a group of best buddies. Um, I love, you might see them at a restaurant or doing game night now on Zoom, um, but they're just talking, they're laughing so hard, they got milk coming out of their nose because they're Christians and they're drinking milk. Um, but you don't, and you don't even know what they're talking about, right? But you, you just see how much they like each other, how much they love being together. And you just want to be a part of something that warm, something that intimate, something that fun, something that joyful. Well, why do we feel this pull toward things like that, toward the kind of relationship? Well, it's because we were created in God's image and that's who our God is. God, we sing God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That there's one God, but there are three people within that Godhead. And we see this, we see whispers of this at the beginning of all of creation. This is who our God is. When you look at creation in Genesis 1, look at the three people who are there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we see his spirit, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then we see his word, God said, let there be light. And we, we learn later on that how did God create the world? It was through Jesus. Paul tells us that in Colossians. So we see all three parts of the Trinity here at the beginning of creation. But then we went our own way. We sinned, broke off relationship from that God. So he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come back and recreate through Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over. And, and at the beginning, the coronation, we've been looking through Matthew, at, at recreation, at his Jesus' baptism, who do we see? All three parts there again. God, behold, a voice from heaven said, here's God speaking, the Father from heaven, his spirit, he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Again, the spirit hovering over the waters, just like at creation. And then his word, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The word made flesh. Once again, God is going to create through Jesus. Now, Tim Keller, I love this word picture he gives us. Tim Keller says this is, this is called the dance, the dance. That each part of the Trinity, that they love each other, that they glorify each other, they celebrate each other. It's like a big divine game of ring around the rosy. And they just, and, and you see this all throughout the Gospels, right? Jesus is just here to glorify his Father. He says, I delight in doing what my Father says. He's always stealing off from the crowds and the disciples. What? To be alone with his Father because he loves him. And then he says about the Spirit, he says the, the Spirit's whole job is to glorify me that he's just like this big sign pointer that's like here's jesus here's the life here's everything that's the spirit's whole job is to point us into truth who is jesus and then what we see from the father we hear him this proud papa from heaven this is my son in whom i'm well pleased have you seen him do you know him all parts of the trinity just pointing to other people to the other parts of the trinity in this love dance and i want to quote keller at length here he says think about this if you find someone you adore Someone for whom you would do anything. That first time you were in love kind of a thing. And he says, and then you discover that this person feels the same way about you? Doesn't that feel good? That there's nothing more sublime. He says, that's what God has been enjoying for all of eternity. That the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are pouring love and joy and adoration into the other, each one serving the other. They are infinitely seeking one another's glory. You hear that in the story. They're never pointing to people to themselves, but to each other. And so God is infinitely happy. 
And if that's true, that this world has been created by this triune God, then ultimate reality is a dance. Sorry, Baptists, but God's a dancing God. It's just, it's just in the Bible. I don't know. What to... Now, in light of that, let your mind be blown by what Jesus prays in the garden. They call it the high priestly prayer in John 17. It might be my favorite chapter of the Bible. And he says this as he's praying to God. This is his prayer before he goes to the cross. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that dance, that, that relationship, he says, this is his prayer, that they also praying for his followers, that they also may be in us. Do you hear what he's praying? He's inviting us into the dance with the Trinity. This is unbelievable. But how? We're separated, right? We're separated in our sin. Well, the way, the invitation that we can be given is through what Jesus did for us two chapters later in John 19, when he died in our place. See, we had a sinful stain all over our clothes. We were not fit to enter into the dance of the Trinity. You can't wear rags to a ball. We can't walk into the Holy of Holies. If we did, we'd be struck down dead. But Matthew 27, it tells us that Jesus ripped down the separating curtain, that, that, that we are dressed in his risen, spotless robes of righteousness that we can now walk boldly into the Holy of Holies and united one life with the risen, spotless Jesus are invited right into the middle of the dance floor. In Ephesians 2, I love this picture because it shows all three parts of God at work here. Paul says, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. All three actively engaged in inviting us into this dance with them. And this, brothers and sisters, is life. This is eternal life. Jesus, back in that prayer, verse 3, said, and this is eternal life. Not living forever. It's, it's that they know you, the only true God, and, the, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent through the Spirit. This is eternal life, to enter into a relationship, to know God. And we can know this, this we can be invited to this Trinity dance, these besties with the milk coming out of their nose. This is the relationship that we're called into. And, and we can know this today. Now, not fully. There's the, the future salvation aspect to come but this dance, this dance that we're invited into can be today. I know that um, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the mornings are, are my sweetest part of the day when it's just me and a coffee, a lot of coffee because it's early in the morning, and the Trinity. And here we are sitting in this dance, and, and, and I'm there with them just, just basking in the presence, in the word, and in prayer. But every day is not coffee and Jesus and quiet and rest, and those with kids know that especially. There are also some, I know some of the hardest days in my life are when I've felt the presence of God the most. When I've felt the spirit lift up my head and say, look at Jesus. Look, he's sufficient for you. He's here for you. And then I see Jesus pointing me to the father. Don't forget, my father loves you. He's providing everything you need. He's got the world in his hands. He's got this. He's got you. In the highest and the lowest times, we're invited into the dance. You see, God didn't create us because he needs us. He had everything he needed in himself in that relationship. God didn't create you because of what he could get out of you, what he could take from you, but he created us because of his love. And he created us because of what he wanted to give us, give us himself, invite us into this dance. And when we stop insisting that everyone else dance around us, <laughs> or watch us dance. I'm doing my little break dance routine and I'm the center of attention, but I realize it's not all about me. 
That's actually where joy is. When we enter into the dance with the Trinity and center our lives around him, that's where we find true joy in the intimacy of God in three persons, the dance. And so we're saved to union with God, but then we're also saved to union with others. Think about why exactly has this last month been so hard for us? There's a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest ones is we're not created to live socially apart like this. Um, that we even Dorothy gets it. She says there's no place like not at home, right? She Dorothy's spazzing out here. She's like, I, I got it. I, I got my wish, and then that's too much, right? All things in moderation. McDonald's has had to uh, experience some social distancing, even in their advertisement. We um, we know that we were not created to look at each other through screens. This isn't normal. Right, and that's why so often I've, I've, we're all using air quotes. Like if we're going to get together on a Facetime or something, I can't wait to see you. And it was good to be together. The reason we're doing that is because we know that's not real, right? That's not ultimate. There's something better and sweeter. Our community group has been meeting over Zoom um, the last couple of weeks, and you know it's good. It's we're able to see each other, enjoy each other, but that's not the same as the real thing. None of us like that. None of us want to be to have this to be the way we gather together. Why? Because there's something sweeter when we walk into each other's homes and we smell the food and we can actually hug each other and break into side conversations and laugh and that's real full relationships. Sinners can interact with each other without Jesus. They they do all the time. That's not real unity and real love. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you've been in a crowd but felt completely alone. It's that water, water everywhere but not a drop to drink. Or it's I got people all around me but I I don't feel known. I don't feel connected to anybody. I, feel, I still feel completely isolated. And this season is bringing out these feelings of loneliness and isolation like never before, which I think is really underlining a problem we already had going on in our society. We're just seeing it easier now, but that's another sermon. Um, we all have this innate desire, to, two things, to be fully known and fully loved. To be fully known and fully... Now listen, one without the other is meaningless and actually it's terrifying. Um, one of the other cool parts of Jesus's prayer in John 17, look at what he prays, verse 21, that they, again, he's talking about all believers at this point, that they may all be one. How? What kind of oneness? What kind of unity? Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one even as we are one. And I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you see this? Jesus prays that we as his believers, we as his body and bride would be so unified. How unified? Just as unified as God the Father and God the Son. Like you can't get more one than they're both God, right? They, they are as unified as you can be. And he says that kind of unity is what I'm praying for you. This blows our minds to be fully known and to be fully loved. Listen, this is only possible because of the, new, the good news of Jesus you see, without Jesus, we can, we can, we can, um, we can know people uh, or we can love people or say we love people without really knowing them. Like I, I, could, I, can, I can show you, I can, I can show you a false Justin, a projection of Justin, and you can love that Justin, but you don't know the real me. That's not real unity. And all the time, our world offers this kind of baseless acceptance of just you do you and I'll do me and we'll just kind of accept that. That's not real knowing. And also, we can know somebody fully without loving them. And that's the, the most brutal, scariest part of it all. And how often when we know somebody's faults, we know some of their dirty laundry and the way that we criticize them, condemn them, judge them, usually behind their backs, the way that we are not, we can be brutal with each other's faults and mistakes, but only in Christ can we fully know and fully love. 
where we don't have to hide from each other anymore. Where I can say, man, I see your sin. I know you. I know the depths of your heart. But I can also forgive you. I can accept you. I can love you. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. Jesus took care of it. And now with his new loving life in me, I'm able to put you before myself. We can't do that. We can't truly access each other and love each other without Jesus. And I praise the Lord for a couple of my hand, uh, just a handful of, of relationships that I have in my life, but some dear ones, my two best friends, Luke and Jacob, where we've walked a long road together. And I know, man, I know there's nothing that I can throw at them that will surprise them or that will push them away from me. Where we enter into those relationships where it's okay to not be okay. That we can come with our imperfections and we can confess to each other where we're really at. We can confront each other lovingly when we need to point out blind spots. Or, or There's real sin, but there's a real Savior. We can be known and we can be loved. And one of the things that defines our unity, our oneness, is what the New Testament refers to over and over and over again as one another's. In fact, there are, over, there are 59 one another's in the New Testament, talking about the way that we are to treat each other, to love one another, encourage one another, um, be hospitable, care for, bear with, um, all these one another's that we're invited into. And, and we're reminded, man, you know, we, we call this social distancing, but probably I've heard it said, really, it's physical distancing. <laughs> like socially or spiritually, we're still one. That's what Jesus prayed for. And I've seen this happening as people are doing the honking waves by houses. We've had many people now, several different people, drop things off at our door and just run. We're in a path and get down, honey. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a stranger danger kind of a thing. But now we're like, oh, that's so sweet. Some hot sauce. Um, We are loving each other like never before. It's reminding us of what matters, right? Relationship matters. We're playing games over Zoom. And I mean, I tell you the calls and the texts that I'm getting from people going, how can I help people in our church? Somebody to give money to or someone that's lost a job or how can we help each other? We're seeing the one another's and we ought to. We ought to love one another to be so unified that the rest of the world watches and goes, whoa, what is that? Do we look different? Do we want another differently than the world one another's? He said that you'll be one. Why? So that the world will know that you sent me. Our unity and the way we love each other is the best testimony we have to show the world that God loves them and sent Jesus to die for them. That's the unity that they're being invited into. So Jesus' resurrection, it saves us to true union with God and true union with others. And finally, it saves us to a bright hope for tomorrow a bright hope for tomorrow. I can't wait until our family reunion Sunday. It's going to be this it's going to be the most celebratory Sunday we've ever had. We're back in the gym together. I got to give Mary Jean a big hug again. I got to do Alan Clinton. We can do more of the man, like, you know, shake and then the bro hug and I'm good. We're, we like each other, but not too much, you know, kind of a thing. Um, I'm going to cough on everybody. I'm just going to start licking things just because I can, right? And I can't wait to hear hundreds of voices right in each other's ears. So we praise our God as loud as we possibly can, no longer through YouTube, living room to living room. We're gonna rock out with a full band. It won't be my vain attempts at guitar and Jill beating on a, on a box. She did good. But what a for, even that, even that glorious day is just a foretaste of our glory that's to come. The glory divine, a whisper, a hint. Jesus has invited us into the dance right now, but there's a day coming Can you imagine the day when we see him face to face? We don't have to be six feet or greater away from Jesus. I mean, picture in your mind for a moment what physical Jesus with a body that we will physically hug. 
can't even imagine the glory, the joy that will come that day. And Revelation says this is what's coming. Revelation 19, it says this. It says, then I heard again, and imagine this with your mind's eye, what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. Why the gladness? Why the rejoicing? This is why. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride, that's us, has prepared herself. How has she prepared herself? She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, dressed in his righteousness alone. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. The good things is we're growing as believers. We talked about that earlier. It's what Jesus is doing through us. He says, and the angel said to me, write this, get this down on paper. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. See, that's going to blow away any post-pandemic reunion party that we could ever throw. We're going to be gathered in the physical presence of Jesus one day. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it says it this way, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. We are the biggest suckers, the biggest fools, if our, all of our hope is right here, right now. Because what do we have? If anything, Christians suffer more than other people, right? It's not, not a better life now in, in that sense. So he says, man, if that's all of our hope, I mean, we're the bunch of, of crazies. But that's not our hope. Because he lives, we have a bright hope for tomorrow and a couple things that we're going to be given. First of all, a new body. Um, praise the Lord. For those of you who aren't basically already glorified like me, um, <laughs> my four-year-old niece, June, asked uh, last week if we will poop in heaven. And uh, so that's a great, and I thought I gave her a great answer. I'm like, well, June, you know, we don't know for sure. Bible doesn't say that. But when we get together with Jesus, he's all we're going to need. So if we don't need it, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's just like, okay, that's a terrible answer. So then she asked Jill, who's a nurse, and she liked her answer a lot better. I'm like, oh, pastor, shouldn't I? I don't know, whatever. So um, we, we're going to have these brand new bodies, and we don't know if they'll poop or not. We don't know if they'll fly or not. Are we going to be, you know, going from planet to planet? Am I going to be able to dunk a basketball? You know, what are our, oh, praise the, please, Jesus. What are we going to be able to do, right? We're not going to have replacement tips anymore. We're not going to suffer from viruses. There's a better body coming. We're also looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. There's this day coming, no more pandemics. We said the lion and the lamb, no longer socially distancing, that we're going to be invited into this dance with Jesus and the father and the son reigning over the universe with him forever. And what a glorious future and a hope to look forward to a new body, a new heavens, a new earth. But even for today, we're given a renewed purpose, a renewed purpose. We have meaning and purpose that we find only in Christ. You see, like right now, we're living in economically unstable times. People are afraid to invest, right? Why? Because they don't know what the future holds for us economically. So why am I going to, I don't, I don't want to buy, I don't even want to buy a plane ticket, let alone a house, right? I don't know if my investment's sure. But listen, because of our hope for tomorrow, we can find strength and meaning and hope for today. Security then means security now. We can rest in the fact that what we're doing, what we're called into right now, we are not investing foolishly. We've been called to go make disciples. We've been called to invite other people into this dance with God. That what we're building up, this treasure that's going to ultimately come one day in heaven, we are not going to be disappointed with the glory compared to today's suffering. So that the knowledge of a secure future today helps us know that we have a meaning and a purpose today. And so 
as we close here, if you're if you're tuning in because um, it's Easter and you're sheltering in place and you just had no idea what else to do, and and a friend of yours said, hey, click on this link and check out a service, um, man, we just want to invite you into this dance. We want to invite you to know your God, know what it looks like to be invited into this one another space in our gospel-centered community. And I want to say in all love, you are a sinner. And, and, and those who have not placed their faith in Jesus are, are on a direct one-way trip to hell. But the good news is that Jesus has come. He is alive. That He saved you from the penalty of that sin. He is actively saving us from the power of that sin. And one day, we will be freed from that presence of sin. And you're invited into this union with God, with other people, and a purpose and a meaning for today because of the future hope. And maybe you are a believer and, and your heart needs to be awakened to some of these truths today. Maybe you've been buried in shame and you say, there are some sins in my closet that I'm not going to tell anybody else because I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I don't actually believe I could be forgiven for that. If God knew that, he would not let me in. We have a proof of purchase to say otherwise, a risen Jesus to say otherwise. Maybe you're buried in slavery where, where there's a particular sin in your life that you can't kick, that you've not found victory over. We claim, we cling to the truth that we've been crucified with Jesus and risen with Jesus to new life. And there is hope. You do have freedom from that slavery that you will slowly experience in Christ. And, and then maybe you have been off course, um, missing meaning and purpose. Let's refocus our eyes back on Jesus, knowing the future, the wedding feast that's to come as we reorient to say what we're here for right now is to make disciples of Jesus, to know him and point others, to invite others into the dance. Pray with me. Father, we thank you as we celebrate this morning that you are risen, you are risen indeed, that Jesus is alive, that he has defeated sin and death once and for all. And our proof of purchase is that nobody's been able to find those bones since, that he is alive, he's not in the tomb. The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? that he is alive and that he's in us right now, that he's somewhere physically and he's coming back someday. And just like those disciples on Saturday didn't know when, we right now are in the middle of a pandemic and we don't know when you're coming back. But your word says that you are. There's a wedding feast to come that we will be finally and fully removed from the presence of sin and ushered into eternal life. But Lord, we know that right now. We have that right now that we can know you invited into the dance today. So I pray for brothers and sisters that they would step into that dance, union with God, maybe they, where they've been neglecting him, union with others, maybe where they haven't been one anothering the way you would have them. And for anybody listening today that has not placed their faith in Jesus, that they would do it right now. We're not guaranteed a tomorrow. This virus reminds us that as much as anything. That today, while it is still today, they would say, I am a sinner and I need and have a Savior in Jesus. It's the one that we praise. It's in the risen name of Jesus that we rejoice, that we say, amen.